0: The 80's look beautiful, as usual. So, any question tonight? Yes, For what? I think that um, well, what she's thinking about is one thing, and as far as Shubhada, which means like auspiciousness, one of the characteristics of, of uh, Uttambhakti that uh, develops within the stage of sadhana. Hmm? Um, but the way you're thinking about it, is, if I heard you correctly is a little bit opposite of what's being discussed there. The, the, the devotee's life becomes auspicious and one of the symptoms of that is that people like him. He becomes um, attractive to people hmm? rather than Everybody becomes attractive to him. That seemed to be the way you were talking about it. He develops attraction for everybody. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, so... Yeah, so... Uh, that said, uh, it is true that as a devotee advances, he has compassion for for people. Hmm? But compassion for people, for Suffering animation, which extends beyond humans and so on and so forth, is not the same as liking everybody <laughs> um, and, and everybody in this in this sense means in terms of their particular egoic identification and so forth hmm? so it's a deeper liking that uh, penetrates beyond. The ego and sees the, the self for what it is and its suffering condition and so in advanced devotees have some compassion they lament for the sake of others para he it is said the Vaishnava has no sorrow for himself but he has sorrow for arising out of his perception or her perception that others are suffering um, because of the lack of Uh, Krishna consciousness Mm. and so as I've said before we want to taste the highest love and on a scale then the compassion is kind of at the low end, compassion for the world but that should arise in our hearts uh, before we enter into Bhakti Rasa Mm. because we'll see things as they are Mm. and um, And therefore you find that in this world even the jnanis have compassion. And yogis, at least devotees, should have it. And, of course, Radha is said to be the compassionate nature of Krishna. So, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we find the most magnanimous form of Krishna. And devotees are also said to be the Kripa-Shakti of Bhagavan. So, Kripa means mercy, so they are the medium through which Krishna's mercy is expressed. So they are The Kripa Sindhu which means ocean, Sindhu means ocean, ocean of mercy, Kripa Sindhu. So uh, this way they have a caring for the suffering of others and, and they conduct themselves in such a way as not to cause misery to others as far as possible um, in any sense and um, with with an effort to to share with them as far as possible um, the solution to the suffering and the possibility of sharing that um, depends somewhat on the capacity of others to take advantage of it and reciprocate with the opportunity that presents itself hmm, through the life of a devotee. And uh, we speak of ego, I mean, it extends all the way down, so tigers have an ego. Hmm. We might not like their ego, especially if it's, you know, <laughs> uh, one-on-one <laughs> in the jungle with them or something and they're hungry. Um, but we could have compassion for them, but how would we, you know, express it? It's another thing. We would invite them to lunch and let's sit down and take prasadam as you would somebody else. And some humans are like animals, also. They're kind of uh, subhuman. human pashu, two-legged animals. And so it's one thing is that the self and its condition and a sense for that, a feeling for that. Another thing is their ego, which then determines how we might try to share Krishna consciousness with them, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know, that's somewhat of an, of, a, of an art, you know. So you give Prasadam to the animals; you speak philosophy to the humans. just to give a crude example. Do you follow? So um, now. I don't know exactly what Brennan is saying, but from what you're saying, I think what she means is that as you advance in spiritual life, then you see how ugly the material ego is, hmm? how insidious it is, and so you develop a kind of a, a dis- dislike for it, and a distance from it and you can only take so much of it and the art of association is is to give association (laughs) Hmm? you understand so I can associate with you in terms of your ego identification but hopefully in a way that I become the association not that you become my association and I get dragged into the to the your, your ego and identity and so on and so forth which it's not very attractive, hmm. no matter whose it is. I'm not singling you out. but um, Just the, the, the generic, I'm saying, nature of the, of the material ego, it's not very appealing. Hmm. So as one advances when they develop a distaste for that, and then they, they're going to choose their associations relative to how much someone is willing to serve, wants to hear, and so on and so forth, and and it depends on the individual devotee. Not every devotee is a preacher, and so forth. But so some may want to just uh, recede to a reclusive type of a situation. Hmm? There are devotees, many devotees, like that, um, and do their bhajan and so on and so forth. They may not be as overtly compassionate, out trying to make a change in people's lives and create facilities and so forth. But some devotees are drawn like that. Some great devotees. Hmm? Um, like Gaurakashur does Babaji and his, his disciple Bhaktis. They're opposites in that way. Hmm? Or Bhakti Vinod and Gaurakashur, they're opposites. So one might recede like that and seek you know, to, so to be uh, un, un, untroubled by that. Also, it's true that... Um, Well, yeah, there are different types of egos influenced by different, you know, differently by the modes of nature, so on and so forth. Also, so some can be more alienating to to one person than another. But that is one thing, and then caring about them is another. Caring about them may involve not getting involved with them, because you know they're going to act in ways that aren't going to be conducive to their progress maybe they don't understand me and so I don't want to hang out with them because it, they're not going to be able to take advantage and they're going to misunderstand so I have to keep a distance and some may and then I can hang out with them or something and they can take advantage so it's a bit of an art do you follow but in either case one one may have to distance themselves a little bit or create a little distance between one, themselves and others because they know that that just like a fire, I've given an example before, you know, you, you require fire for heat and for cooking and thereby by eating, but if you get too close to it, also you can get burned. Mm-hmm. Right? So... Guru figure, something like that, and he has to or she has to kind of work on figure out how close to let people in or not, and see if they can take advantage. Hmm? Um, some of Prabhupada had different assistants at different times, some of them, you know, get close to him and you know, all his parent humanness and so forth, and then they. Some of them would start to see him in a, in a, in a mundane way. Hmm. I've heard them say, and so that wasn't good for them to be in that situation. Hmm. It said, um, "Familiarity breeds contempt." Hmm. So there's an art in associating and being able to take advantage. Reminds me of a story of of how Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati thought were. Chose Sridhar Marsh to go to preach in the West, which is quite an endorsement. He very much wanted to preach in England, and England was a ruling country of the world, in in the most powerful country of the, of the world and at that time. Of course, it was occupying um, India as well, and so he wanted to send. And they had their Western, as we were talking the other night, Western British European, some American, two uh, missionaries in India forth preaching to the savages and uh, well, he wanted to he kind of got the idea for a mission from the Western missionaries and they were coming so when we have Eastern missionaries and we'll start monasteries we'll train them up send them out this kind of a thing and um, Ram Krishna mission had done something a little bit of that Ram Krishna uh, mission Vivekananda was the spokesperson he had come to America in the, in the eight, 19th century middle of the 19th century um, and had some some success created some interest in Vedanta Hinduism they had a mission with monasteries so they were very much involved in philanthropic and altruistic work in India but they had kind of a a uh a, um, monster like environment for training so he, he he looked at these ideas and fashioned his godium with that in mind but at any rate uh, with regard to sending one to uh to to England to to preach he, he, he shootdar marsh but chedar suggested to him that he, well he said to me well, of course whatever is your desire your order i i take that on my head and i will do but if I may, hmm, I share with you some reasons as to why I may not be the best candidate. Hmm. And he said, uh, "There. Are, first of all, my perception is that there are others amongst us who are better speaking English than myself. Although we like his English, and it's very poetic and, and all. Um, that was still probably an accurate statement. Hmm. Qualified. In other ways, and they speak better English. Secondly, he said that my nature is very um, introverted. I tend to keep in a smaller circle and not have exposure to the wider circle of people. It's just a little bit of like what Brunner was talking about, he kind of like like to keep to himself a bit and and so forth was his his nature temperament and for that kind of a thing well you're going to be out there in the public eye and Mm -hmm. mixing with the common people and so on and so forth and it was not something that he was naturally um, suited for he didn't have that propensity just the opposite these were his two reasons then he gave the third reason he said the third reason is that I like your company (laughs) And I think that I could take advantage of it personally by staying here with you as long. You're not going to be here forever. By staying close to you, I think that I could take advantage of that hmm? association. He didn't say in ways that others might not, but I mean, that's the implication. Not everybody can. Hmm? Shudder was one who would listen to the talks and then afterwards the devotees would gather around him. of Ask for explanation. What was he saying? What was saying? What did he mean? With, and he would re-explain the lecture, the points, and so forth. He was able to break it, break it down. Um, so uh, he replied like this, and after when he made the last statement, which was full of affection, and it was a very honest, uh, kind of candid type of a person, and laid it out there about the of Houston may have someone else to go hmm. so um, not everybody can take advantage to the same extent and that's a question of body power and lifetimes and, and uh, so on it may be also it may also be relative to the material type of ego um, you know To some extent, but that is really another way of saying the same thing. Not able to really take advantage, couldn't uh, discuss philosophy or something like that. Uh, just to give an example, but um, it's art. The point is to share. Personal consciousness with others, and some of that art means finding the, the distance by w- at which one can take the most advantage. You now, I'm not very guarded in, in that regard; I err um, in the direction of familiarity and being accessible, and I greatly realize it sometimes. But this is my nature. I'm very kind of. I I can create a distance by sitting here and speaking. People go, you know something. And And then I'm off the seat and I I can uh, put my arm around you and grow friends or something like that and be accessible. And uh, so I I know that sometimes I, it's just my nature but it doesn't work always so well with the role of the Upadi, the designation of being a guru and a charger and so forth but it's what I'm like (laughs) it has its advantages but um, when I see oh they're not understanding I think they're like me or I'm like them or something and I have to excuse myself or create some distance or something like that Mm -hmm. so that won't be be good for them Mm -hmm. so um, how's that? does that help answer your question? Yeah. Okay. okay. What else? Yes. What do you see as the uh how do we understand the drive of protecting our Well. There's different ways to understand the drive of Bhakti Mipakura. Um and the, the way in which Bhakti Siddhanta Sastri thought about it was to uh, describe him as a as a as Nitya who descended to the world, for the sake of um, uh, participating in a powerful way in the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching. Characteristically, that's how how he tended to think of him and and depict him. Um, There was a famous newspaper editor, reporter, religious man as well, his name, but he dubbed Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he gave him the the title Seventh Goswami. The Six Goswamis are the founding acharyas of Gaudi Vaishnavism. They, they are Shastra Gurus. You know, they wrote the Bhakti rasamrita Sindhu, Nirmani. That extends a little further beyond them to Krishna's Gavrihas, the Chaitanya Charitamrita. These are the core uh, books, Brihat Bhagavatamrita. They're commentaries on the Bhagavatam. This is all defining, taking the, the larger body of the sacred texts like the Bhagavatam, like the Gita, Puranas that are appreciated by many different sects, and then drawing from them in a particular way hmm, understandings of the texts that that constitute our take on Revelation, hmm, which is Bodhi Vedanta. hmm. So they did that. That's hard work. Now we're just supposed to pass it along Understand it in a dynamic way, so we can present it dynamically in terms of time and place and so forth. But Bhakti Munod uh, came along his time, and we talked a little bit about his time the other the other night when we were speaking. And and, um, and he wrote like so many books and poems and songs, and and he um, did so much work in Navadwip to establish the places of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes like the Goswamis did in Vrindavan under the direction of Mahaprabhu, excavate the places of Krishna's pastimes. And then they had the patronage of kings who were coming and building a goth there like uh, along that place of the Jamuna or bathing place and building a temple or a monument for this pastime and this pastime and that pastime and so forth. So Matamila did something similar in Navadvipa. And uh, he has written a book called Navadvipa Mahatmya. Mahatmya means a glorification, so the glories of Navadvipa. And uh, he takes you through the, uh, the structure of the book is, is Nityanandapuru taking the young Jiva Goswami uh, before he went to Vrindavan on a tour of Navadvipa and pointing out this happened here and this happened there and this happened here. And so so Bhaktivinoda uses that context to then reveal many wonderful things about Nabadweep and show the connection. This is Nabadweep, this is Godrun and and the island of Kirtan and this corresponds in Krishna with such and such and this is my this is Antad-drip, this is the Kola Dri, Islands by Nine Islands. So, so it's a very nice book and um, and um, and he did a lot of practical work, for example to establish the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, There was another place that was claimed to be the birthplace. Some people still think it is, but he didn't agree with that. And and he he had a vision, and he also had empirical evidence that he gathered to support that. And ultimately, a very large uh, temple was built. He called it the Adbhuta Mandir, the wonderful Mandir, celebrating the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He personally went to Calcutta door to door, begged money for the, for the building of it. I was given the service, sort of been given about the sedan to such and the facility, uh, facility there. So, so he was called the seventh one. So, you yes, the sixth swami is that are, as I've explained, engraved, then that's a huge compliment. Hmm? And in the modern times, so as they were the architects of the sampradaya, so Bhakti Thakur was like a restoration expert or something. And over time, the building needed painting and, and mm-hmm. in, in a couple of the foundations, stones, were cracked or whatever. So he there he was with his work. So many books, and and then the interface with the modern modern world as well, which was needed. Keep Rudrachchandism you know, alive, and make it what it is today. A, you know, a, if it's properly understood and presented, it, it's a viable uh, philosophy, mm. it's a very charming one. Very mm. uh, uh, much a player in, in the thought world of what is the meaning of life and, and so forth. If properly understood, and that's only possible if properly presented so we're working on that kind of thing but this is Bhakti, uh, you know contribution is huge so there is a, an apt you know the comparison is apt there's, there's enough parallels and then if you take the idea that he was sent to the world for this purpose Krishna says in the Gita I, I reinvent to reinvest my energy in my my die again and again hmm? whenever by the influence of time it, uh, the, the, the teaching is uh, might uh, be uh, diluted or misunderstood. So this is, would be an example of that. So that's how Bhakti Sanatarsya thought of Bhakti Vinod. And that is an explanation of why he was um, the way he was. And as you put it, he had more energy, enthusiasm and insight his own guru. So he had a formally accepted guru but in the vision of Bhakti Siddhanta he was kind of like going through motions which would which would mean if if we embrace this idea of Bhakti Siddhanta for example that it's not that he knew I'm, I'm an eternally liberated soul and I, so I'd better get a guru just people will not pick a guru it's not like that but it's like I've explained our own lives Mm-hmm. The mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as an extension of his own Leela. They that they, called Sadaka Siddha Bhumi. What does it mean? Sadaka Siddha Bhumi. What does Bhumi mean? Right. So the land, place, earth, where siddhas, perfected beings are playing the lila of sadhikas that's gaur lila hmm? but they don't know that they're playing the lila because they're, they're they're absorbed in it hmm? they get a glimpses and so forth but they feel as if they're becoming Krishna conscious just like the gopis when the lila of Krishna comes on earth the gopis they fall in love with Krishna they're not born at the, I love Krishna completely and When can I get a body and grow up a little bit? I mean, they they go, it's very, it's a leela, it's a play, and they're really completely (coughs) absorbed in it, hmm? which is with the perfection of drama, right? To be so absorbed in the role that you've identified entirely with it and your other identity has has been uh, retired or obscured by your... Identification in the, in, 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 in the drama. Mm. That's what drama is, as I said before, supposed to do us when we sit in the audience and in the movie. They're supposed to be transported and identify with certain characters and be removed one step beyond our present reality and experience emotions that are bigger than life. They're, 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 they're you know, people, like I said, they actually lived heavily, happily ever after. Nobody does, you know, in, in a sense. But when it happens in the movies. And so then you can enter the movies and it can happen for you. You can, without thinking about it, you're just drawn in there and you're crying and feeling as they, this is the perfection of the drama, of course, the more it transports you. Right? So the, ladies, the devotees are complete, they're players in the drama under the influence of the arrangements of the yoga hmm. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur hmm, would s- go, go through different stages and so forth, but very quickly, and and, um, and if you look carefully, you think, well, this is not an ordinary uh, sadaka. Now, he wrote a letter to his other son, uh Lili Prashad which is kind of an autobiographical autobiograph- letter quite long um, telling his life hmm? and um, if you read it its I remember reading it many years ago and it's uh, he goes through all these different stages I thought like this then my thoughts changed like this and I, I looked into the weight of it huh? then I found it to be a dead end and I looked at Christianity and then I came to go I to I had to have a guru a uh, period I met my guru uh, so forth. So he's going through all these stages and he had western influence and, um, and was brought up to eat, eat meat and, uh, and he, he explains all these things very candidly. Hmm. So some people would really go you know, it doesn't sound like I'm going to sit here but I, I think that's a, a, not a good understanding of the phenomenon hmm. Hmm. Um, of being absorbed and under the influence of yoga, maya and so forth and so when I read the biography I thought, interesting, it, the interesting thing to me was like how he just quickly went through all these different stages and all these different stages had something that, you know to speak about, teach about and so forth so it, it seemed to me very extraordinary hmm, in the way in which he moved through the stages and 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 the, the things that are highlighted and so forth, what he passed through in terms of his, his thinking and whatnot—it was very instructive. So it seemed like a life of instruction to me as he as he wrote about it. So we can look at it like that, or we could look at also uh, other people. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, and and some followers of Bhakti Bhanu Bhakti Vinod had some uh, other disciples besides Bhakti Siddhanta. And um, there's some other... Well, Ali Prashad was his other son. He has a lineage. Um, He's passed on too. He had some disagreements with Bhakti Siddhanta. They all don't see... Only Bhakti Siddhanta saw him as a Nitya Siddha. The others see him as a Saddha Siddha. Hmm. Who became perfect by practice. But if you want to look at it from that side, and, you know, I mean, maybe based on the the letter or something like that or other philosophical positions uh, that may have caused them to, to think like that also um, one would be well what they all come with Chitin and Mahaprabhu. and when they leave when he leaves they leave with him how can they be here when he's there you might make a case like that I think that you could you could counter that um, um, but um, there are different visions but if we take a vision that he was a sadha, sadhana siddha still then it's obvious that that he if you if you have reached a certain stage in your previous life let's say you attained bhava in your previous life then you'll take birth another life hmm? then you'll go through all the stages but you'll go through it very quickly and get to bhava, and then uh, perfect your life from there so it could be looked at like that he went through all these stages very quickly because of his past and so forth and, um, and so on and then uh, Bhaktisiddhanta used to say "Well, we, what we see in Bhakti you know we don't see in Vipin Bihari Goswami which was his guru but we do see it in Jagannath Das Babaji who was his sixth guru hmm? but his ability to take advantage is extraordinary so it's based on the past you know, whether, whether it's an eternal no one can sort these things out, they're kind of elements of faith and, and and with regard to sadhana siddha and nitya siddha, Prabhupada gave of course the perfect answer when a when devotee asked him, what is, you know, better, the sadhana siddha or the nitya siddha? and Prabhupada said, "Sit is what's important, the adjective that precedes it, you know, it doesn't really matter group Sadhana Siddha, grupa, Siddha. If you're a Siddha, you're a Siddha. That's all there is to it. So we don't think, oh, he's a Sadhana Siddha. Mm, I think I'll avoid him and find a Nityasiddha. You know, that's just kind of silly. Some people argue that Prabhupada, and our Prabhupada, and my Guru Maharaj was a Nityasiddha and other people are Sadhana Siddhas. And, and they, they, they say it in a way to differentiate Prabhupada and make his even time and place calls on details to be, you know, something that has to be set in stone forever because he's an interested it's this very, very confused idea that, that becomes even, um, when looking at it, completely offensive. Hmm. Although it's in the name of glorification. Um, and then confusion about uh, tattva... And the difference between details and principles and so forth. So, different ways to look at that. Hmm? But, um, you know, he was very uh, uh, extraordinary. Yeah. And that's why, um, at the time in in uh, in Abadweep, if you would meet someone, and, and then they would ask you which party bar you're connected with, which party bars were the Lineages kind of means family. It's a kind of a nice way of speaking about it. But coming from the coming from Janova, coming from um, coming from Adwaita, Dwaita Paribar, or uh, Kanada Paribar, or from the goswamis who were all associates of Chetanamahavu and formed lineages. And so when, when, when. Bhakti Siddhanta was asked by his disciples, they're asking what Paribhara we from, what, you, what did we say? And he said, you tell them Bhaktivinoda Paribhara. Hmm. So that was a curious thing, because Bhaktivinoda is hundreds of years after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. In the traditional way, for the most part, of talking about the Paribhara, was a connection with, again, it starts there, and so it starts here. That was his way of making the point. But it's not a totally unprecedented um uh, use of the term pariya. Hmm, uh, the, the typical way, as again as I say, is you trace your lineage back to one of the associates. And of course, Bhakti even know it has a lineage that goes back to to, to Janava, the consort of Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm, his Diksha line, the line of Diksha gurus that he he comes in. But he he was so vital and alive. And insightful um, with his presentation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, giving it so much relevance in the time that to talk or whether he thought of Nitya or whatever, but he thought, you know, this should be highlighted. Hmm? We call it the Nidanda Party Bar, or we call it, the, you know, we call it the Bhakti Vinod party Bar. Um But it's not an unprecedented thing to do that. There are a couple of examples. One of the examples that's quite common is that um, Lokanath Goswami was one of the associates of Mahaprabhu who was sent with the Vrindavan six Goswamis to, to Vrindavan. They came there before them to do similar work as them. Although he doesn't have any written works, um, he established the Radha Gokulananda temple and uh, is an extraordinary devotee. But he only had one disciple and that was Narottam. Hmm. Narottam Das came after the Mahaprabhu. And so his work was so extensive, Narottam's, in preaching, in writing, his poems and songs. probably used to say that the very sophisticated Vedic truths are all found in simple Bengali language, in poetry, in the works of Narottam Takur. Some of his songs we sing very little, so many, so many. Um, so, he his lokanats truly really lokanats group is referred to as the paribar you know, because of the work was so so prominent there is another example and that is of shamananda shamananda was uh, was a disciple of Kridai chaitanya who was a disciple of Goridas pandit who was one of Nityananda Prabhu's eternal associates? He was in Krishna Leela Subhal, Krishna's closest friend, Goryas Pandit. The Goryas Pandit had a Sakyarasa lineage, he initiated Hridacitanya, among others, and so forth. And initiated this fellow and named him Krishnadas. But they used to call him Dukhi Krishnadas because he's always sad. So Dukkhi Das was sent to Vrindavan. Um, to associate with Jiva Goswami who was the sixth Guru of all Gaudiya and Oriyan Vaishnavas at the time. This was you know, a couple generations after the passing of Chittanamapu. Mm. Jiva Goswami would have been older at the time. He was the youngest of the Goswamis. Mm. So he was very, very prominent. So Dupi was there taking year learning the teaching, of Sandarbha and all from, from Jiva Song. And he was doing Dhamseva. So he would go to different places of Krishna's, Radha Krishna's pastimes like with the broom, sweep the place. And here they perform this pastime, sweeping. So that's a common thing. So, uh, so he was doing that one night and he found a, a bangle or something like that. A silver bangle. Mm. And he was quite astounded by that. And, and then a, then a, a, a uh, village girl, very beautiful, showed up and said, Oh, that's, I've been looking for that. That's the bangle of my mistress that was lost last night. Thank you very much. She took the bangle and pressed it on his forehead like this. And it made a mark, like a t-lock mark.
1: Hmm.
0: And then, then he went away. And he uh, was, was a very mystical experience for him. Hmm. And uh, when Rude Chaitanya came, saw him. Said, "What's with that t-lock? Because you know, he wasn't wearing the t-lock. Each of the party bus has their own t-lock, some different version of the t-lock." Uh, you know it's all Gaudiya Thilak Urdhva Pundra up and down not Shiva tilak like this but different versions there's another way in which you could identify the different followers of Nityananda and Dvaita and so on and so forth so he said that's not the tilak of our Parivar that I you know you're initiated well what's going on he says well no it's not like that this happens and tells the story and and so his guru was like "Uh, you know well you know and it doesn't wash off. Was, was the point? And it wouldn't, it wouldn't come off. Hmm. So it was very controversial, and Rinne Chaitanya was a little concerned, if not upset, like what's going on here, you know? And uh, and meanwhile, Dukhi Krishnadas, who was initiated in the Sakirasa lineage, was finding himself attracted to the Gopi Bhav. So he had been taken into the Gopi section by that. Saki, friend of of Radha, hmm? and this was Radha's bangle and so forth. So it's a long story, but what happened ultimately was there was a meeting meeting, discuss it, and uh, and and duki went into a trance, hmm? and in the trance he experienced Krishna's pastimes. Hmm? Narada and Krishna Vishakal were there and Subal was there. And Subal said, tell your guru this. So when he came out of the trance he told the guru this. And then his guru, Subal was his guru. I, as I said, gauridas Pandit was Subal. He had passed away but his eternal place in Krishna Lila was as Subal. So Subal had told that Chaitanya, the Guru of Dukhichakrishna, something that only only Hirdayat Chaitanya knew. And so when Das came back from Goloka internally and told Hirdayat Chaitanya, "I was," Subal told me to tell you this. Then he knew he'd actually gone there, because he couldn't have gotten that whatever he told. Mm-hmm. so I was amazed and then then Hrīgācītāna uh, was very humbled by that and Dūvi Krīstāna was blessed to pursue the Gopi Bhav and kept under the care of Jīvācītāna he so was given the name Shamananda mm-hmm. Shamananda and um, of course he he he, he, could, he always continued to fully honor his guru Vodacitana. Um Was a very special event in Gaudi Vaishnavism and, and so Shamananda has many they had many disciples and it's called the Shamananda Paribar. Mm-hmm. So maybe they think well it has some direct connection, you know, with the Leela. But uh, so that anyway well, there are instances in which the term Shamananda Paribhar or um not in Paribhar, but Givenod you know Paribar have been used hmm? and in so as to say that this person is making, making a very substantial contribution. In ISKCON they wanted to almost make Prabhupada the founder of the Gaudiya Sampadaya because uh, the, he used the term founder Acharya of ISKCON which Sridhar Murch, called himself the Founder Charya Chaitanya with Moth and the and Keshav the Founder of Gaudi Vedanta Samiti, different societies and so forth. I wanted to make more out of it and to distinguish themselves from everyone else and so forth. So, um, you know, I have my own position on that, but I thought, you know, maybe you could call it the Bhakti Party Bar if you wanted to. Hmm because his contribution was very extraordinary. But then, I thought, well, but Bhakti Siddhanta already called it the Bhakti Vinod bar and, and Prabhupada himself called it the Bhakti Vinod He said, we are all, my mission is the mission of Bhakti Vinod. So, as Śrīla Marsh eloquently put it, the vision came in Bhakti Vinod Thakwar for interfacing with the modern world and making all this possible. And, Bhakti Siddhanta Swami gave some shape to that in the form of Gaudiya Moth and sending missionaries to the West and so forth. And Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada he took it all over the world. Mm. And we would say, and Bhakti did this. Like, tried to help preserve it mm. and, and and make sure it wasn't going on just in form but in substance in the lives of the disciples of uh, Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada. Mm. So that's our addition, of course, to that. But it's a little bit of... Uh, um, it's an accurate way of uh, speaking about their contribution. So Martin Minot is at the head there. I mean, this whole idea of interfacing with the modern world, using modern technology and whatnot, this wasn't going on. Hmm. So it's all Mark you Minot. Therefore, Bhakti desired and requested His disciples keep the current of Bhakti Vinayataka alive in the world. So we're trying to really do that here. Does that help? Bhakti Vinayataka working behind. Yeah. Bhakti Vinayataka. Uh, yeah. Any questions? I'm just wondering if I should keep reading yeah. the Bible. It's just a Skip over that part. Yeah, it's just like uh... yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know. you read my articles on, it, right? Oh, I wrote an article. It's called Anadi for Beginners. Anadi again, or something like that. They go together. Then you get this down to there. Then you, then you read that. Then you can continue reading Jivadharma because oh, he's saying it like this as a as a preaching strategy. Yeah, we'll move on. A lot of good points in Jivadharma. Well, Bhakti Vinod Thakur coined the term saragrahi, essence seeking. So he would seek the essence in different traditions and so on and so forth and try to find a common ground, even though there are differences and significant differences. That was his nature. Mm. He said, When I go into the church of another sect, I think, oh, and they're worshiping my Krishna my like this here. Mm. Mm. interesting. Something like that. So, you, know, you can find that kind of generous approach. It's very attractive, pluralistic kind of approach, even while he's very deeply committed to and his own tradition and, and knows its objective. Um well, the reach I should say, that it extends to is uh, extraordinary. He, he knows that. So that's noise there. What's the time? Okay. She's the gold at the Navidjaya. Uh the Oh, Bhakti Rinda Evet.